Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. squad and welcome to Ranks FC, your favourite football podcast. We are back in domestic mode and we are back in our, our kind of usual format. We're going back to things we love today. We're going back to, you know, a proper ranking in the middle and joining me as usual, the rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad, mate. I'm not too bad. I'm looking forward to getting back into the, the, the thick of a season again. I know we haven't had much of a break. Um, a lot of people are, are going, oh, I'm very tired. But I'm really excited about this season. Really excited about getting back in stadiums. Really excited about having fans back. The whole thing, just I, I'm really excited about. So, And also, this will be our first full season as, as Ranks FC. So there's a lot to be excited about as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and of course, Mr. Dean Jones, our transfer guru, is in the thick of his halcyon period <laughs> hello mate yeah guess so it's um it's, it's busy times for you dj it's busy times. so um there's, there's not too much to go we're going to talk about transfers today but sam's going to be doing the ranking you're going to be giving us the insight um but before we do that a couple of bits of admin um we are giving away finally the two shirts that we promised to give away a couple of weeks ago on social media so we said there would be one on instagram given away and one on twitter uh, our twitter winner is mr reese williams at reese w25 uh, and our instagram winner is mr bryce tau at btown3 on Instagram. Congratulations. Um, random draws, obviously. Uh, but it took me so long to write out every name from Instagram and put them into like one of those random number generators. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been, this is why it's taken three weeks to get, get these shirts on the move. Um, but uh, yeah, here we are. Congratulations. Uh, get in touch uh, with your addresses and sizes and we will get those shirts out to you. There'll be more competitions coming soon. Uh, also, while we're on admin, uh, we're entering the FCA Awards, um, and there's a link in the bio of this episode in the description of this episode. Um, if you fancy voting for us, we're kind of a bit of a weird one because we don't really fit in any of the categories. The categories are Premier League, Championship, or, or Football League, and International. We think International is probably the best place for us to go, but there's also best new content creator for people who've turned up in the last 18 months. So mm you know we could probably go in there as well so if you, if you mm. fancy giving us a vote the the link is in the description uh, we would really appreciate it um and with that let's get on to things we love and dean i think we should start with you this week lads rafael varan is joining man united this is ridiculous this is madness yeah I love it. I love it. Look, when we go into transfer windows, these are the sorts of deals that we dream about happening. It hadn't been spoken about at all. I mean, there were a few murmurs that Varane might look to leave Real Madrid. Like most of it seemed like it would probably just be a drive towards a new contract. Nobody made too much fuss about it. Then Sergio Ramos left Real Madrid and joined PSG. And everyone's like, oh, hang on. Maybe, maybe Varane will leave, and he has. Not only has he left and joined, is he joining Man United, but he's joining for forty-one-ish million pounds. What a signing! Well, that's ridiculous. So he's on Jaden Sancho at about seventy-three million pound, and they're doing Rafael Varane at about forty-one million pound, and that is amazing business. I mean, Man United obviously second in the league last year. They need. It wasn't convincing. It wasn't a fair reflection last year. I don't think the season of, of what football normally is, obviously. 
But now you're adding Sancho and Varane to that mix. That's this is a serious lineup Man United have got right now, lads. I mean, I'm sure Sam's going to give us some some analysis on the Varane Maguire partnership, and I want some because I'm guessing that's quite a big step up from Lindelof or Bailly. No offense to the lads. Well, I like the balance of it for sure. Um, look, there's 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 kind of like a modern parlance on Twitter going around at the moment, a new way of describing a stopper sweeper combo, which is a cat and dog. I think Michael Cox is to blame for this one, but people have uh, have carried on with it. And it's actually quite a nice analogy. Makes it quite easy to see. And basically the idea is you pair a, a cat with a dog. A dog is a really aggressive, um, dominant player. So like Harry Maguire, who steps up, who challenges, he hunts for the ball, he wins aerials. And then of course, when you have someone that steps up, you do need someone to recover and sweep round, and that'd be the cat. And Raphael Varane is pure cat. So in essence, this is a nice balance. This is a partnership that works. And adding in Varane and Sancho, I don't mean to be a massive Debbie Downer here, boys, but this was like the absolute minimum requirement just to stand still for Manchester United, I think. I, I, like, I, I've seen a lot of tweets in the last day or so, like, right then, what are realistic expectations for Manchester United this season now they're getting Sancho and Varane? Finishing third would be an amazing achievement. That's, that's the simple truth of it because the bar has been set so high. Man City are incredible. A full season of Tuchel at Chelsea is something to be really worried about and a fit and firing and healthy Liverpool are an absolute machine. So the bar has been set so high and for Manchester United, this is simply maintaining the status quo in my opinion, but it's a great start to things. Chuck a holding midfielder in there then I might start talking title. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's coming. It's not. It's not coming. Is, is is that the latest out of United? I mean, look, I mean, there's always going to be these Pogba talks, right? But you, you do see that you look at this Man United squad and you and you, you think about the way that it's built and it still seems to be the missing piece in terms of this side seriously challenging. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that the Pogba situation, look at it like this, okay? So Man United are trying to get him to sign a new contract because he's got he's into, going into his last year. PSG, they are expecting PSG to make a bid. They want one of those two things to happen. They want a PSG bid or they want him to sign a new contract because it's not obviously in their interest for this to run into 2022 and that Pogba can agree a pre-contract with somebody else in January. But look at it from Pogba's point of view. What does he want? What's he likely to do? What's Mino Raiola likely to do? They want a free transfer next year. Of course they do. And also, you, talk, you look at Raiola, the, the comments that he's made in the last two years about Pogba not being happy, about him wanting a new challenge. You look at Pogba's interviews and talked about his dream to play for Real Madrid. Um, my personal opinion on this is that Pogba will probably resist a new contract and most likely would resist PSG as well and just hold out. Because also, like... United could have a really good first half of the season here. And he's, I think he is quite excited from someone I spoke to yesterday. They said, look, he's looking at a project now. Suddenly he's got Varane, he's got Sancho in there. Like if he's playing every week, like this could be a lot of fun next season. But that doesn't mean he wants to stay there forever. This could be a great last season for Pogba. Imagine he like goes out on a, on a high like this and, and finally wins something decent at United um, and then goes to Real Madrid. It's a big time for him. He turns 29 this season. Um, this is going to be the biggest and probably most important decision he makes in his career to sign this next contract. If it's a four-year deal, it's going to take him from, what, 29 to 33. In his role, in his style of play, this has got to count because the last two or three years have almost been wasted and that can't happen anymore and he knows it. So 
Is PSG the right club? Seems a bit of a gamble, but Real Madrid is something he's always dreamed of. Juve is always going to be there for him potentially to return to as well. And then maybe he stays at Man United. So I think he just bides his time. Charge, right? Yeah, I think he just bides his time. It's silly to rush into anything. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think it's one of those things that we're going to see drag out over the course of this season. But you never know because, you know, while things aren't going, you know, or things are looking up for United, absolutely. But there's no guarantee of success at this point, sure. But if you change that and and in, I don't know, November, United are top of the league, they've qualified from their Champions League group without a blemish, maybe Paul Popper re- rethinks that. Maybe he's part of a squad that looks like they're seriously going to compete on a couple of fronts. And and maybe that changes his mind on whether he wants to stay as part of that project or not. So, um, look, it, it might be one to just keep an eye on for now. Um, and with that, <laughs> Sam, I think we should move on to your thing we love. Yeah, some people are saying bin Olympic football. I don't, yeah, I don't like this at all. I love Olympic football. I, I get that it's weird. I get that it's wonderful and it's strange, but it's fun. Like it's a lot of fun. And the results over the first two group stage match days in both the men's and women's events have been absolute carnage, absolute carnage. And you may remember last week we previewed this tournament and I basically said, I'm supporting New Zealand in Olympic football. And you asked me what I love, Jack. It's on match day one, New Zealand's men won their first ever game at the Olympics, a heroic 1-0 victory courtesy of the legendary Chris Wood. And on match day two, they scored what is probably the goal of the tournament. Left-back Libby Kakache lets rip from 30 yards and rockets one into the top corner. Now, sadly, they do actually go on to lose that game. On the turn. Yeah, it's a very, very, very strange finish. It's a very, very good finish. He'll never do that again, trust me. No one will ever do that again. But they actually went on to lose the game. Uh, which is not great. And on the day this podcast goes out, it will be the final match day, match day three of the group stage. So New Zealand and everybody else's fate will be decided. But in the two games that we've witnessed so far, New Zealand have basically managed to sum up the entire Olympic football event. One momentous win, one incredible goal, one ridiculous loss. Olympic football, ladies and gentlemen, it's fun. Stay with it. It's great, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about the this a little bit on on Monday's Patreon pod, and and there's something about the individualism of squads that are chucked together at random. In that, you know, for example, I was I was watching Australia the other day, and and Riley McGree, who you'll know from Pushgas fame, um, did had the most kind of ridiculous ten minutes I've seen in a long time. First of all, he, he tried a bicycle kick that went completely wrong, and then secondly, he just took it took a strike from the halfway line because you're like ah oh, why not and i think that, that there's so much of the kind of why not football at the olympics that that we've seen this kind of <laughs> exceptional individualism especially in the men's event i think um where where the squads are a little bit more kind of random and but I mean, you go to to the women's event and it has been absolutely ludicrous. Some of the scorelines we've seen, I mean, Group F, uh, in terms of the first two match days, saw China lose 5-0 to Brazil, Zambia lose 3-10 to the Netherlands, then China 4, Zambia 4, and Netherlands 3, Brazil 3. Now, that's got to be a record somehow. There's 32 goals in four games, um, which, is, which is ludicrous. And we're seeing things like Barbara Banda for Zambia scored two back-to-back hat-tricks. In the second one, she doesn't win women of the match because 
Wang Shuang of China scored four. Like, it's just absolutely chaotic. <laughs> and, you know, it goes onwards. We saw Sweden shock the US in, in the first game. We saw, you know, the US beat New Zealand 6-1 in a game where they had four goals ruled out for offside. It's just been you know, absolute madness. And I have absolutely loved it, as you would expect from from anything as chaotic. I would argue that there is there is a case to be made that this is more chaotic than the Europa League. Uh, and, and, and that is not something I say often. Right then, let's go on to the final thing I love. Um, and we're talking about transfers today, but I know that this isn't going to be in Sam's ranking and I want to talk about it. So um, my thing I love is Marseille's business, which is quietly... Quietly, really, really interesting. Now, we've spoken a lot about Nice and what they're doing under Christophe Galtier. Um, we've, we've spoken about the fact that they're bringing together a really, really exciting team that we think will probably be the challengers in Ligue 1 next year to, to PSG. But just quietly, Marseille are having a little go themselves. And they've brought in William Saliba on loan. They brought in Paulo Lopez from Roma. They brought in Cengiz Under. They brought in Gerson from Brazil. They brought in Conrad de la Fuente from Barcelona. Leonardo Bellardi was made permanent uh, on his deal from Dortmund. Um, they've also brought in Luan Perez from from Brazil, who, who I'm a little bit confused about. We spent a little bit of time in Belgium with Club Brugge. Um, they've brought in Matteo Genduzzi, who is a complete and utter wild card, and nobody is sure. Or, you know how you how you use a Guendouzi, but if if anybody can get the best out of him, there definitely is a player there. Um, you look at someone like De La Fuente, talented but unproven. Like Cengiz Under had a bit of a weird time at Leicester, but if anybody could get that form that we saw in that you know that seventeen eighteen campaign at, at Roma, um, you know out of him, then then there's a serious bit of a side here. Um, and I'm really intrigued as to whether Marseille can can make a go of it again for the first time, well, in a long time, frankly. Um, I'm just kind of intrigued by their transfer business. And there's there's a lot going on in Liga. And Sam, I know you said that, you know, Liga in particular has piqued your interest for next season. There's always a league over the summer that you're like, well, oh, I'm intrigued as to what's going on over there. And, and Liga has done that for you so far this summer. Just putting Marseille on the radar because they've had a really intriguing couple of weeks in the in the window, and and, and I think there's a, a question that under George Sampaoli, that this team can maybe have a little go. Was that seven eight signings? Mm. Very, so very it's busy, a big window. Sampaoli yeah. stringing it all together as well. I mean, if some if Sampaoli can can, I guess if it, we're asking for the manager there to kind of roll back the years a little bit and sort of return to his his sort of peak glory form as well that we saw at well La U in South America and then the Chilean national team because obviously it went a little bit south after Sevilla I guess is probably where it went wrong like many managers the Argentinian yeah. national job was essentially a poison chalice for him and he's got to recover a little bit but it's a very interesting project you're right it has the league has piqued my interest for a number of reasons and Mar- you just add Marseille to it I mean that looks like a lot of fun but this is the problem with the league, right? PSG obviously didn't win the league, right? So what have they done? They've signed Akraf Hakimi, Danilo Pereira, Jorginho Wijnaldum, Sergio Ramos and Gianluigi Donnarumma. That is utterly ridiculous for that league, isn't it? That's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, of course it is. But, you know, at the same time, you know, their squad wasn't, you know, 100 times better than Lille's last season. And, and they didn't no, win the league. No, it's 200 times. So, there's no you know, chance. There's always... 
<laughs> well, well, we shall see. We shall see. And um, they're trying to sign Pogba. Then you can enjoy a league, even if number one is sewed up. You can enjoy the rest of it. Yeah, ends the Bundesliga, right? Um, but we, um, but that's that's another question for another day. And um, right, and on that bombshell, we should probably move on to our main ranking. We're back after the break, looking at some of the maybe under the radar transfers that that you haven't heard enough about, but you should be making more of. Don't go anywhere. If you love listening to us here on Ranks FC, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome back to the Ranks FC podcast, where it is time for our main ranking. And Sam, the reins back to you. It feels it feels right, you know, <laughs> just giving you back a, a full control of a ranking again. You know, no reactions to to imminent games. This is this is a pure Ranks FC episode. This I did three rankings last week, mate. What are you on about? Yeah. But you know, you know what I mean. They were mini <laughs> rankings. This is a big ranking. Fine. All right. Well, look. This week, it's time to catch up on what's happened over the course of the transfer window, and look at a few things that people may have missed because of well, the carnage of the European Championships, the Copa America, the Gold Cup, even the Olympics. Things just slipped through the cracks a little bit, even for us. So. I've basically compiled five great transfers that I really, really like that I think probably deserve a little bit more hype. And this is the sort of thing that can happen when you get a transfer window that is dominated by like big name transfer sagas like Varane, like Sancho, like Pogba, like Kane. Like it's the headlines are all these certain names. And then there's a load of other really cool stuff that happens. And so many people don't even notice. So let's step away from the big storylines a little bit. And uh, let's delve a little bit deeper into some of the really interesting business. So this is just five transfers I really like. Jack, I presume that you're going to really like them as well. Dean, you may not have heard of all of them, but I gave you a heads up (laughs) earlier so you could do a little bit of research. Hopefully you've done your job properly. Uh, And we'll start at number five. Yeah, classic. We'll start at number five. And this is where I've put Junior Firpo to Leeds United. It's 13 million euros or so from Barcelona. It's... It's a bit weird. Like, I still have to wrap your head around the idea that Leeds are signing a player from Barcelona. Things have things have really changed. And look, Junior Firpo's hardly a key player for Barca. They've sold him at a loss, and his stock is is actually quite low. But this is still still a really interesting deal from Leeds' perspective. And Jack, I'll throw to you in a moment about the golden patch that Junior Firpo had at Real Betis under Kike Setien, and you can wax lyrical about him. But for now, it has been a little bit downhill. Last year and a half, not particularly important at his club, not a particularly great fit. But I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass. He's a flying left wing back who signed for Barcelona as Jordi Alba's understudy. He is not the first player 
to have failed in this regard, and he will not be the last. I'm gonna I'm gonna produce another one of those very strange analogies that I'm famous for now. A bit like okay. cutting a, a player's leg open to count the rings. I'm gonna call this football's mini Bermuda triangles, where nothing good can happen, where everything gets ruined. And there's one in particular that we always reference, and it's whenever Diego Simeone gets his hands on a flamboyant attacking player, because very rarely do those two things mesh, and often this player massively underperforms. I'm going to pull in another one. Another of football's mini Bermuda triangles is whoever backs up Jordi Alba. They just can't succeed. And I just don't think I can really hold that against them. They'll never get enough game time. Alba's connection with Messi is way too good and way too important to the way Barca play for somebody else to step in. And Alba's fitness and longevity is too good for anyone to ever get a run. So Firpo, I'm almost giving a pass to Barcelona and I'm looking at what I saw at Real Betis. And Jack, here's where I'll throw to you. This is really exciting. This feels like a really nice match for a Marcelo Bielsa system. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, and there is that kind of element of is he a wing back or is he a full back? He's somewhere probably between. And he played brilliantly when Setien moved to a 3-5-2 at Betis. But also, you know, in in the 4-3-3, he played in the 4-4-2 at the under-21s for Spain um, a couple of years back. And he basically is just a, a really, really athletic, skillful, progressive fullback. And, you know, there, there was a lot of kind of hype around him when he was coming through at, at Betis. And, and actually, that the performance against Barcelona, where he, he got goal and assist, and, and, and Betis won 4-3 at the Camp Nou, was basically the reason I think he was signed, which is another, you know, one of those things, don't sign a player based on one good performance against you. Um, he was only really with Betis for 18 months in the first team, but kind of really, really you know, secured himself that left back spot. It was He was left back, he was left wing back. It didn't matter, he was a fixture in the side. Um, and, and I think Leeds have got themselves a little bit of a star here. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, the, the connection that that Jordi Alba has there at Barcelona with basically everyone of value means that he, he he's kind of undroppable. And it means that anyone coming in has to either adapt their game to try and be Jordi Alba, which very few players are. And let's be honest, um, you know, they, they, they can't really play to their own strengths because it doesn't suit the way that Barcelona set up. Um, and I think Junior is is a player who will go on and, and really succeed. Bear in mind, he's still very young, you know, 24 years old now. And he he has this kind of ability to to ghost past his defender. He has the ability, the the kind of recovery pace to get back. He he's not the best defender in the world. I'll be perfectly honest with you, but he is you know someone who I think will fit this lead system under Bielsa really well. I think he's someone who will will transition to this side. Who'll be able to kind of play that hybrid fullback wingback role that the leads kind of have really excelled with in, in, in recent years and allowed themselves to, to bomb up the pitch with, with numerous players. He should release his wingers to cut inside, which is obviously a, a massive point of it as well. I'm just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited for what, what Junior's going to bring. I think there's a player there that um, offers far more than he's been allowed to show at Barcelona. Um, and, and I think that that experience would do him good in just remembering what he's good at. Um, and, and he should, yeah, he, sh- he should love working under Bielsa. So, yeah, it is a, it's a nice move all around, really. What's interesting as well, I think, is that Leeds are in a moment where basically the, the transition now takes, begins to take place because Leeds got promoted. They've stayed up. They've managed to use the same brand of football that they said they would stick with. 
And now they need to, what they're aiming to do is improve every single area of the field. They want to improve that position. So they'll slowly go through it over the next couple of years and make sure this team moves to the next level. And I guess that this is a good example of that taking, I mean, Alioski left, didn't he? And um, you, you got Firpo in there for next season. I mean, Firpo is somebody that's been linked with Premier League moves for a couple of years now. West Ham and Liverpool have definitely um, have looked at his situation in the past. And I think that this, this seems a good example of how Leeds are going to evolve. And they'll do this all over the all over the pitch. And they'll make a couple more signings too before this summer's out. And, and they'll look to do it even further next year. So... It's real, real promise from Leeds and a sign that they are not here to, to be relegated anytime soon. They're here to to improve and to crack on towards that top half of the table. Only slight hiccup here is that he's at the Olympics, so there's not been a lot of bedding in happening. He might not be ready for the start of the season. So like a lot of players, maybe like, like Brian Hill, for example, for Tottenham, might take a little bit of time to work himself into that team. He doesn't get the pre-season bedding in period. But look, Leeds literally don't have a senior left back other than him. So you can imagine he's going to be put on a fast track to get into that team as soon as possible because whatever. Yeah, Stuart Dallas can play in every position ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't want to limit him to just left back, mate. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay for him to start the season there and then he can kick on and, and play all the positions as Junior gets back into the side. Yeah, very true, very true. All right, so that's Junior Firpo at five. Let's go into number four. Uh, this is where I put Calvin Stengs to Nice. Uh, reports put this deal at around 15 million euros. Maybe the initial fee is slightly less from AZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. And that Nice have done some good business. Jack mentioned it in the things we love section that I could have put two or three Nice players in here, but that would be mega boring. So I haven't. You can thank me for that. I pick Stengs because I think he's probably the most worthy of pointing out. And he's a lovely player, but he's a bit of an odd one because he's a six foot, maybe six foot one left-footed right winger who is basically a playmaker displaced onto the flank because he's not really like like a Yarmolenko who is a powerful direct tall winger who can kind of fill in up front he's not Leroy Sané who's you know built on speed he's he's something else he's like an old school number 10 who's just a bit taller than he should be and he's been moved out to the right side and it's kind of weird it's kind of awkward it's kind of goofy but it, it really works and if you imagine like a, a classic number 10s games, who plays lovely like sort of ki- killer through balls and great vision, great creativity, great under pressure. He's all of these things with just a bit more height and he's just playing off the right-hand side. And it's pretty fun to watch because he's playing on that right. He can, he can wreak serious havoc in that right-hand half space. And the way he links up with his midfielders and his fullback, it tears teams apart. It really does. And the thing to, the thing to really admire about Stengs is the, is the gracefulness of his movements and the way he glides across the pitch, everything he does with the ball is so aesthetically pleasing. It's so fully under control. It's, it's wonderful. And that Nice have picked up a player who, who was definitely ready to leave the Eredivisie. I thought he'd go higher in terms of caliber of club. I thought he'd go for more money and maybe this is just the coronavirus market kicking in, but this is an opportunist move from Nice and they've picked up a player that I think a lot of other teams have very seriously whiffed on. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I, I think that there was there was there was a lot of potential for a Premier League team to take a gamble here. Um, but I actually really like this as a as a move as a stepping stone. And I also think when you look at kind of the fee that we're talking about, as, as you mentioned at the top, you know, we're, we're talking about Nice either having 
a really good core to build around, a, a really young core. And you look at actually their signings as a whole, Stengs 22, Tadebo 21, Melvin Bard 20, Justin Clive at 22. There's a lot of, of young players added to, you know, there was, a, there was a relatively young core there to begin with, right? This is either a group that can, can mold together over a couple of years and really, you know, make a go of things, or they're going to flip for serious money because you can just tell that, that Stengs is a player kind of ready-made for a big step up. He was ready-made for someone to look at him in, in a year, two years' time and be like, yeah, we're absolutely going to take a gamble for 25 million kind of minimum. And and and, if, and the fee felt low this time around, as you say. So so the fact that he's almost certainly going to have a couple of good years in Liga, um, and then and, and we've seen players, we've seen Nicola Pepe, we, we've seen players come in for big money from Liga to the Premier League. We've seen players go for big money you know, from from Liga to the Bundesliga to La Liga, sure. Um, so so you're looking at, at someone here that that Nice are going. This is almost foolproof. Um, and and that whole core there that they've got going on. You know, Cliver on one wing now, Stengs on the other, Dolberg through the middle. You had an excellent summer at the Euros. There's a lot going on here to like. Um, and and I think that that Nice will will build something here under under Gautier. I think it's also important to understand the whole ownership around Nice and how this club's being run right now. Um, Bob Ratcliffe is kind of overseeing things. And basically, Nice are run by a, a chemical company and and they have this great vision for how football is going to be kind of opening up in France particularly right now because it's a, it's a league where a lot of teams have been feeling sorry for themselves because they were shut down early in COVID and because they felt that they were playing catch-up with a lot of other teams. They've been feeling sorry for themselves. But Nice weren't one of those teams. And actually, they don't want to be known as a checkbook club, like just throwing money at stuff. But they did a really good interview actually in The Guardian. And he said, we want to be known as, as people who are very thoughtful with the players we acquire and and they want to play a brand of attracting football attractive football and they want to have attacking football and they want to have players who are willing to work hard and prove themselves and if they want to move on to another level then fine that's that can be part of the strategy and it's a really good outlook to have right now particularly a, a club of this level in a league like that where it's not impossible to to really push the limits of what you're capable of we saw last season how open the league title race became um, and I think that they want to be involved in that conversation. The French Dortmund, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I like it. Um, right, Sam, shall we move on to number three? Number three is Andre Silva to RB Leipzig from Eintracht Frankfurt, and it's a fee that looks like it could rise up to like a fairly hefty kind of 35 million, but the initial fees being reported are closer to sort of 19 or 20. So the rest of it is obviously on bonuses and installments and gives Leipzig a chance to let Andre Silva prove himself, not that he needs to, because, I mean, this feels pretty cheap for someone who has taken the Bundesliga by storm the last year, year and a half. I mean, look, Eintracht Frankfurt failed to qualify for the Champions League and maybe this is the price you pay. You lose a player that scored 28 goals in the Bundesliga last season and I think 32 starts to a divisional rival, to one that finished a couple spots above you. And and Andre Silva is established class. Like He's pretty much guaranteed goals in this league. And he's recovered from, I guess we could call it a stumble early in his career, where he was briefly cursed by the 
AC Milan number nine shirt. Obviously not his fault, um, but probably left Porto a little bit soon, a little bit early uh, and maybe took on too much too soon and yeah. has had to recover a little bit. But he's become a, a genuine goal scoring machine in Germany. And like he's this target style striker who's tall, slender, moves pretty well generates all different types of finishes and plays really well with a partner as well for both Portugal and for Eintracht. He's played exceptionally well with with other players, linking players into the game. And yeah, he moves to a club in Leipzig who've got probably more strikers than anyone else. So if you want a partner, Andre, here's 12. Um, I think he could play with Kwangi Chan, who can run off the run off the, the shoulder and run the channels. I think that could be a really nice partnership. I think he could link and play with any of their technicians like Emil Forsberg, or Danny Olmo, Christopher Nkunku, whoever it is. They're all going to really enjoy bouncing off this guy. And he's not the only target striker in uh, Leipzig right now. You know, they've got they've got Serlots, they've got Yusuf Paulsen. Uh, something is going to have to give here. But you know, ask me to rank those guys one to three, and Silver's top. Silver's the best target man they have, and this is a good signing. This is just this is again a bit of opportunism. Oh, Silva's available. We should absolutely take him. He's 25 years of age. He looks in a super confident move, mood. He scored 28 goals last season. Why, why wouldn't we take him? This is just good stuff. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and there's also this kind of element of, you know, what 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 Jesse Marsh is going to do because we're, we're still kind of a little bit unclear as to how Jesse is going to set this team up, right? But but he has in the past, to great effect at Salzburg in particular, used a 4-4-2 with two holding midfielders um, and, and the wide play, or a 4-2-2-2, if you will, um, you know, with, with the wide players kind of tucking a little bit further inside. And if there is two up top, then that makes Andre Silva a really, really good purchaser because he's able to do both. And, and like you say, I, I think that's the key point here. He, he's versatile in terms of he, he can be a solo target man with a 10 behind him. That's not, you know, not perhaps what I'd say he's best at. Um, but, you know, in a partnership, and especially if you can get someone off him that's going to dart around and, and free up space, I think you're going to find success. And, and, and overall, I think what we've seen from his career is that as you say, he scored goals almost wherever he's gone. You know, take Milan out of it for, for for the time being, but scored goals at Porto. You know, went to went to Frankfurt on loan, scored goals enough to make them buy him permanently. Scored goals then when he when he made it in in, in a permanent move. I mean, even his his time at Sevilla, which wasn't a particularly successful period, he got nine in twenty seven, which isn't awful considering that he didn't start too many games um and you know he's got 16 in 42 for portugal with with pretty much the same thing going on like he's he's made a lot of of, of those off the bench so i think there's there's something to be to be said for the fact that his versatility gives gives jesse something new there and and i'm really intrigued to see what happens next here and it is jesse marsh that um gets credit for the fact that this this transfer has even happened because there were other clubs certainly looking at Andre Silva. Um, Arsenal were one of them. They they were really keen on the idea of trying to talk to him and, and you know, as they try and figure out what who the lead of their attack's gonna be next season, they thought they could open up some conversations here. But Leipzig had moved so early and and what they did as well was that they Jesse Marsh was on the phone to him basically explaining his philosophy, explaining his vision and well, one of the things that he he made clear straight away was that you will get so many opportunities in this team. We want to play possession-based football. Um, it'll all be offensive and 
you're going to score a lot of goals in my team if you come here. And we finished second last season. We're aiming to be up there again, like come and be part of it. And I think it was exciting for him as well. You know, a lot of players, once they're involved in Bundesliga, they like to... They like to stay within it. They like the league. And it's gonna it takes a very tempting offer sometimes to take them away. And for somebody like Andre Silva, who knows he's on the verge of good things, just needs a little step up, needs a little bunk up, and he, and he got it. He, he's been given it with, with Jesse Marsh there. And I, I'm really excited about that partnership and, and the way that team will be built to, to create goals for him. It's like we said last week on our, our Friday Patreon, there's a, there's a lot to be determined in pre-season right now because although new managers are coming in starting to try and find their templates so many players are missing because of the break that they're on from the international competitions that trying to read into a lot of it is very very difficult and you take a look at the two friendlies Leipzig have already played they played a 4-4-2 in one of them and they played a 4-3-3 in the other and Serlot was actually the most involved striker in all of that of course because Silva's on a break. He was at the Euros. So it's going to be still, you know, Marsh is still keeping his cards a little bit close to his chest there in terms of what he wants, like everybody else. It's very hard to see exactly how this shapes out. But you're right. The idea of these partnerships on paper just makes all the sense in the world. And I just find myself wondering what language Andre Silva and Jesse Marsh spoke in over the phone. Uh, probably English. Yeah, yeah, Silva speak almost English? everybody yes, in English. Portugal speaks really, really good Does English. Does Silva speak English? Mm. Everybody speaks really good English in Portugal. There's also this kind of thing that hangs over it in that this is a, you know not the first story we've heard of, of Jesse Marsh having a personal input. And look, we talked about the Brian Brobby thing and it being really weird, right? And back in March, he decided that he was going to walk back on his agreement once Leipzig decided they were going to change coach. And, and it looked like he was going to go back to Ajax. It looks like Jesse's basically got Brian Brobby on the phone and been like, look, this is what I want to do. And now, you know, we see these interviews. He's like, I'm really glad I'm here. We speak every day. He's convinced me to be part of the project. You know, I mean, we've spoken to Jesse before. You can tell, you know, how passionate, how enthusiastic he is about his projects, about how his philosophy in, in, entails and, and how things work out for him. But I just think it's interesting that we're seeing this over and over again now. And I wonder if it's going to be become kind of a trait of his that he's able to convince people to buy into his philosophies and buy into his systems because he's just such an eloquent speaker well, in a number of languages as we saw from that old team tour, okay? Uh, and with that, Sam, what's it two? At number two is Enoch Mwepu to Brighton. Suggested to be about a 20 million move, this one, although I did actually quite find it quite hard to pin down the actual fee. And Mwepu... Long-time Ranks listeners know that this is one of my favourites. Yeah, know my love for Mwepu, and I am delighted that he has come to the Premier League. I will travel the country far and wide. I will drive up and down to watch this man play, I promise you. Nicknamed The Computer, which is just fantastic. He is one of the busiest bodies of a midfielder you could possibly ever come across. Never, ever, ever stops. All energy, all action. The absolute definition of a box-to-box midfielder. He's a really good ball carrier and a great presser. I think his passing and creativity levels are probably better than people giving credit for as well. And look, we've just talked about Jesse Marsh and his 4-2-2-2 system. And Wepu was a massive part of that. He basically split his time between playing in the midfield two. And when he did that, he dropped in, broke play, and then drove forward with the ball with, with, with serious danger. Or he played on that sort of slightly inverted position on the right-hand side, like um, slightly, slightly narrower right, right wing side. And that brought his vision and his creativity to play. That brought his good passing into play and managed to get into the box a couple of times. And it just kind of felt like no matter which area of the pitch Wepu found himself in, 
He knew exactly what to do and had all the skills to take on a few players or play his way out of danger or avert danger if he needed to. And not that this really matters, but he also seems like a seriously good dude. So, you know, it doesn't really mean anything for the ranking, but it's a little bonus. And I think Brighton fans are going to fall in love with this guy really, really quickly. I think this is a really shrewd move for Brighton. It came really early in the window, came for a really reasonable fee. And like Mwepu is someone that like, I would have said belongs at like Tottenham or something like a, like a no disrespect to Brighton, but like a Europa League level or, or just below team at the minimum, because Mwepu's just spent the last couple of years playing in the Champions League for Salzburg and bossing it. So well done, Brighton. I think this is a real coup. It was a lovely link, right, between him and Basuma to, to to kind of pivot that midfield, you'd imagine. That's something that we can all look forward to. Yeah, and I find it quite interesting because I was told a little, well, maybe it was last week, maybe the week before, that, that Basuma won't be leaving Brighton because, you know, the links are still there to Arsenal. Um, but somebody said to me, they didn't go into detail, they said, oh, that one won't happen, he's not going to leave Brighton. And I was like, oh, that seems pretty weird. But maybe this is it. Maybe he's been persuaded to hang around for a year while while Brighton do transition because I think if they can bring in a goal scorer as well, if they can find some goals in this team, they were they were so close last season. There was the margins were so small for them having a good season. Um that if they can turn that around and it, it's the other way and they get a few that go the other side of the post and actually go in, then this Brighton team can actually achieve some good stuff. Um, what I love about Moepu, I, I really don't know a lot about him as a footballer, but I did watch an interview with him and he's like the smiliest person I th- I've seen in a long time. Like, I'm happy to have this guy here. Like, I'll travel with Sam just to see this guy's smile by the looks of it. Like, it says fans are going <laughs> to love him. It seems like it's going to be impossible not to. Like, what a man. It's a, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where he seems like a nice geezer. And obviously we've listened to that um, that episode of of Salzburg's podcast where he talks about his career. Um, but there's also that element of uh, of him and Pats and Daka going everywhere together, right? And Pats and Daka moved to the Premier League and suddenly Mwepu was moving to the Premier League. And uh, they, they seem to come as a pair, the uh, the Zambian boys. So that's always, that's always nice to see as well. He's got a friend. Yeah, they've got the they same do, agent do, do. in Freddie Freddy Canute. He's, he's, he's brought them both over at the same time. So um, nice work by him. Thank you, Freddie. So before, I mean, obviously they've ended up in different actual destinations in England this time. But before that and before Canute, uh, they, were, they ended up at the same Zambian club. And then they were taken to Salzburg within sort of six months of each other. And they had this running joke mm. where everywhere Daka went and Wepu would follow him roughly six months later. Uh, so they've bucked the trend this time because they've moved in the same window, but they've also bucked the trend because they are at different clubs. But these two are absolute best buds and they're both awesome as well. <laughs> they're both really, really good players. I like yeah, it. No, I, I think this is a nice one. I think it's a nice one. I th- I'm really, really excited to to see him in the Premier League. I'm really excited to see how Graham Potter utilizes him. I'm really excited to see how Brighton line up this season. Um, and yeah, that that pivot if they do go with the two of of him and Basuma is something that I think we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna be excited to watch all season. So so this one makes sense there, Sam. Um, which leaves us with one to go. Yeah, number one, number one. Um, you're gonna you're gonna shake your head at this, but it's. Yusuf Demir, Rapid Vienna to Barcelona, loan with a 10 million fee reported, and he's going to spend the first season at Barca B. So, look, I'm not going to pretend that this is the highlight transfer. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that you're going to be tuning into Barca B this year. What do you year. mean you're not going to pretend it's the highlight transfer? You've put it at number one. It's number one. one. Is, it's no, number no, no, one. No, no, no. no, no. This, is, this is 
Great transfers that deserve more hype. This is not the best transfer of the entire window. That comes after the window, my friends. And look, a player to Barca B won't be in that. But this is the perfect vehicle to talk about Yusuf Demir. He's going from the Austrian league to Barca B. So there's a lack of fanfare. I get it. But if you've those that are tuned into youth football, and particularly our friends over at Scouted Football, are absolutely buzzing about this one. Demir's just turned 18. He's clocked about 1,000 minutes or so in Austrian football. He's played three different positions across the attacking midfield band. And in those minutes, boys, he's flashed ridiculous, ridiculous potential, like really exciting stuff. And I'm just going to describe, I'm just going to describe his playing style. I'm not going to make any illusions, all right? All right? You can decide for yourself who this sounds like. Diminutive, left-footed forward, dribbles well, takes lots of little touches, draws the opponent in, then bursts past them. Lethal shot from range, often runs from the right across the pitch and curls it into that left-hand post. There's explosivity in his <laughs> legs and he's so much fun to watch. You thought it, I Morris. didn't say it. And I'm not... I, Bernardo Silva. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. But, man, this is a play, look, there's no pressure here. You spend the year at Barca B, the 10 million fee, if you want it at the end of the end of the season. But this is one that will go quiet for a couple of years. But in three years' time, in three years' time, this is something that could pay serious, serious dividends for Barcelona. And also, I just like the fact that they've finally started making like, like they haven't signed Paulinho, right? They haven't signed Griezmann, right? They've not dumped 100 million euros on Usman Dembele, who's had like one good season in the Bundesliga. This is a smart deal. Like Barca are acting appropriately. And I love that. And I'm full of love for the potential that Yusuf Demir has. Anyone that's also played football manager will know this kid is a true star in the making. True star in the making. He always ends up at Juventus on my <laughs> saves. I can never get him. This is my way of talking about him without Juventus stealing him away from me. But Demir looks like he could be unbelievable. And there's a long way to go on that so one. We've got to hype I would him up never put years. him in my list of, well, this, I'd never put him in my list of like, these are the top transfers because there's still so much to go. But I don't think, I don't think anyone knows who Yusuf Demir is and they, and they really should. Yeah, I didn't. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, fantastic. I, I, I mean, I didn't either, which is, which is something because normally when you yeah. talk about these players, I'm like, yeah, I've heard of this, but this is, this is completely out of the blue for me. I, I had no idea where you were going with that, Sam. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, it, it sounds exciting, but I also think it's just like one of those where we, we're going to obviously have to keep it, keep it timely, mm. right? We're going to judge your entire career on this player now. See if right. you really are a rank god. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Whether you are actually, this, this is huge. Um, okay, I wanted to chuck a couple into the mix here um, because I think you've, you've, you've left a few away um, that I think maybe could have, could have, could have been uh, discussed. Um, I'd start with Mohamed Simakan to Leipzig. Uh, I think that's a really, really good bit of business. Um, fills that Kanate hole, does some, you know, and, and, and went completely quiet because it was done so early um, that that no one really was talking about it. I like Michael Elise to Crystal Palace a lot. Obviously, we had Ali Maxwell on here last year talking about stars in the championship who were ready to to step up to the Premier League. Elise was literally his top man. And, and, and from there, we've looked at, 
in making a, a really sensible Premier League move to a, a regenerating Crystal Palace. Um, I like Nico Gonzalez from Stuttgart's Fiorentina a lot. We talked about him on our Copper America episode and um, and how good he was doing that kind of well, doing the legwork on the left-hand side for, for Argentina that allowed Leo Messi to basically float around and do what he does best. And it's a big reason why they went and won the Copper America. Um, I like Cui Silva to Betis, which you're going to hate, Sam, but obviously uh, I think Betis signing Ooh, we probably hate that. That's not the a, that's best not goalkeeper list. outside the top four in in Spain um, is a step up. I like Christoph Ager to I Brentford was never going to put that in my list. I mean, I don't. Ever. I mean, I don't like it, obviously, um, but but I do think that's a really good signing. I think as just ready for the uh, for the Premier League, uh, and I like Loic Bardet to Ren as well. Yes, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know what? I decided against the lease just because I thought um, we're talking about deals that needed a bit more hype, and I think Palace's rebuild has been has been a pretty central subject alongside those of such as you know Varane and Pogba and Kane. So I, I, I strayed away from Palace's deals, but. That full of respect for them. That's that's they are some good deals. And Simakan crossed my mind, but the truth is, I actually just haven't seen, haven't seen enough of him to, to pass the judgment. So straight away, um, it's just one of those that somehow I've missed. Yeah, every now and then a ship a ship sails across the horizon. You, you just you just miss it. And Simakan, for some reason, I just haven't quite got into. Well, I'm sure you'll uh, that ship will be. You'll, you'll see it this year. I'm playing for Leipzig every <laughs> week. HMS so. Leipzig. So that will be that. Um, and with that, I think that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of Ranks FC. Um, all that's left for me to do is say thank you, firstly, to Mr. Sam Tai. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, to Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you do fancy giving us a vote in the FCAs, the link is in the description of this podcast. It takes two minutes just to click through, uh, whack us in, well, whichever podcast category you think is best, but we thought it was probably international. Uh, And if you fancy giving us a vote for best new creators, we'd love that as well. Thank you for listening, Rank Squad. We appreciate you as always, and we'll see you shortly. Take it easy. Peace.